And so I looked around and I thought I'd see Elijah and those guys. It's not who I saw. I saw people that were more modern, people that were, were closer to my time frame. Not that they weren't there, but that's God was not showing me everything. He was showing me what he wanted me to see. And, and what I saw, uh, first of all, I saw a grandmother and grandfather standing to my right that had been somewhere in heaven. They had already passed away. They had already passed into the fullness of heaven, but they had been summoned to the throne room. We could see all the way into an altar service in a church. And there was a young man who was crying his way to salvation, giving his heart to God. And then it, then they declared that was their grandson. And they were watching their grandson give his heart to God. And the Holy Spirit said they prayed for this and prayed for this. And they died and came to heaven with the prayer unanswered. But your prayers live longer than you do. Welcome to the Taking the Leaps podcast with me, your host, fellow leaper and coach, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast inspires you to take bold leaps of faith, but you won't be doing it alone. As we journey together through the fishermen, shepherds, builder, tent maker, and trailblazer leaps, my hope is that you will see how God is with you every step of the way and begin to confidently trust Him as He leads you into your next leap. It's time to live a leaping lifestyle. You ready? Let's go. Well, welcome, Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It's good to be a part of this. Thank you for inviting me. Listen, I have been looking forward to this conversation for some weeks now and just gathering all of my questions. So I hope that you're ready because they're coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. I'm ready. Well, maybe, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) You've got this. It's in the book. It's in the book. I got this. Okay. Yeah, it's in the book. So before we get started, I know who you are. I've been reading through the book and, you know, getting ready for the conversation, but I want to make sure that my listeners know a little bit about you and some of the leaps that you have taken. So let's get, can you share a little bit about you? Sure. Love to. I was born in Dallas, Texas and uh, raised by parents that were in the ministry. So I'm a PK. And uh, I, I married this great lady out of Wisconsin. We've been married 44 years tomorrow. Mm, congratulations! Like so yeah, we have we have three wonderful kids. They're all they're all pastor churches. We have eight grandsons. So we've just had a great life. As far as leaps, our, there's a number, but one of them was when we were serving as youth pastors, and God began to call us to uh, pastor a church. I went to my senior pastor, shared it with him that God's putting that on my heart. He said, well, why don't you stay right here about two more years? I'll retire. People love you. And uh, I think you could be the pastor of this church. So I went on and prayed about it. God said, that's not what I've called you to do. So I went back and said to him, I can't say yes to that. Um, he said, okay. He said, do not take another uh, position as an associate. You need to pastor a church. So I started looking for a place that maybe God had his hand on. I looked at a couple of churches that showed a real interest in Rita and I to go there and be pastors. They're significant churches or not huge, but you know, they were they were up there. And then I get this call from this little church with 17 people. And I agreed to go down and preach for them just to help them on a Sunday. When I get there, the building's falling apart. They didn't have a parking lot. It was just it was just terrible. But they were the sweetest people I'd ever met. I just fell in love with them. So the next day, I'm home praying, and I said, Lord, um, you know, these people would like me to be their pastor, but they can't even pay me. And um, I'm sure, I don't know what you have for me, but 
you know, probably not that. So I began to pray. And in my prayer, I said, Lord, I don't ever do this. What I did, you should never, ever do. <laughs> I said, I'm going to open the Bible and put my finger on a place and see what the Lord says. And if you'll just give me a sign, God, I'll follow you. So I opened the Bible and I put my finger on a spot and I read the scripture in Matthew where Jesus said, in the last days, evil men will seek after signs. <laughs> I started cracking up. <laughs> I said, that's not funny. <laughs> he, he just told me I'm evil for seeking after a sign. And then he spoke and he said, you know, in your heart what you're supposed to do. It's more important that you know how to obey my voice than you look for signs. Reed and I went there with 17 people and no way to make a living. And uh, I took whatever little jobs we could find. And we became a bivocational pastors. And uh, in the next three years, the church grew to 180 uh, it was a, it was really is a little town wow. too, so that that was really a phenomenal. And then I get a call, I get a call from a presbyter over an area of, of like fifty churches, and he said, "I've got a church, and I can't get you off my mind. I think you need to be the pastor." So after a lot of prayer, I finally agreed to go see if it was time for us to move. The first Sunday again, we had seventeen people. I said, this is not funny anymore, wow. God. You got to stop this. <laughs> so I had to take another leap of faith to go once again and start all over. Both of those. That church became, uh, it's called North Place Church there in the Saxe area of Dallas. It's a its a huge church today. It's a its a mega church. But but in those days when we were first going there, 17 people. What I, what I want you to see is in both of those, we had no way of knowing what God was going to do, how he was going to feed my children. We didn't know. And I ever, both of them have great stories that are all mixed in if we were to take a long time. But but both of those were great leaps of faith. Then when um, our district, after the church had grown and people knew who we were now, I wasn't, I wasn't able to hide anymore. Uh, they asked me if I would come and serve in district leadership in a position that would require me to leave the church. That was hard for us, not about money this time. It was about, I knew how to navigate the church. I didn't know how to navigate the district. I didn't know how to lead that group. I didn't know how to do that. And it was all I could do to muster the faith to go there. And then God blessed it incredibly well. And then when our national government, you know, national church asked us to move up into their headquarters, it was the same kind of thing. Again, I I said, I'm really really comfortable now where I'm at. Please leave me alone, God. Please leave me alone. And he said, I'm not going to. And one more time, every time, it just takes faith because you're always stepping into something that you don't have your answers yet. You, you don't know how yet. You can't afford it. You can't, you don't understand it. You can't navigate. It. It's always beyond you. But here's what I've, here's what I've learned. I've learned that I do my best growing when God creates an expanse that needs to be filled. Something shifts that begins to help me to become more than I ever thought I could be. But God knew it all along. So not only did he use us in those places, but he grew us in those places because we're willing to take those leaps of faith. So that's kind of how we got where we are today. Wow, that is such a powerful story. And even the wisdom that you shared in the midst of each of those. I do wonder if there's a significance to the 17 both times. <laughs> Me too. Here, are you ready for this? I know this is this will cap it off. My wife is the next to the youngest child in a family of 17 children. What? Okay. Yeah, isn't that crazy? One mom, one dad, no twins, 17 kids. So at 17 number, we're afraid of that number at this point in life. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, exactly. Well, you know what? I think there's so many people who they are navigating this terrain of taking these leaps. And you really hit on a point when you said the uncertainty, because how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? So along the way, what did you find to be your, um, I don't want to say safety net, but to bring you comfort that you, like, did you begin to build confidence or faith or trust through each one? Or was each one like the last one? You were like, what are, what are we going to yeah, do? There's always questions, unanswered questions. But there was one question I had to answer every time is came with a plan that I could just say, if I'm going to do these three things, it'll work. I never knew what I was going to do when I got there. I never knew what the answers were going to be. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't have the skill for it. I hadn't learned something that prepared me. I was going to have to learn. I was going to have to grow. I was going to need a miracle. Every one of them would require a miracle from God for it to work. So I had to know God said it. God said it. And and that was the key, learning to just Listen and hear and believe you've heard the voice of God, and then you leap. Mm, so good. Now, in the midst of that, somehow, some way, you wrote a book or a couple of them, right? Because you've written True. more than one. True. I, I don't know how in the midst of <laughs> doing all the leaps you did that. But this most recent one um, is all about prayer. Right. And I want us to dig into that some because I believe that that is going to be, that is the most important thing that we have when it when God is calling us out yes. to do something is to go back into prayer. So tell us a little bit about this journey of prayer with you. Very good question. And thank you for asking it. Um, I learned to pray when I was a youth pastor. That's where I began to learn to pray because I was, I didn't want to be in the ministry at all. And God wouldn't let me say no. And so I became a youth pastor, but I wasn't prepared to be a youth pastor. I didn't know how. I hadn't paid attention. I grew up in the ministry. My parents were preachers and pastors, but I uh, I didn't pay attention because it's not what I wanted to do in my life. And now God forced the issue, and there I was. So what I learned to do was go ask God. I began to develop a life of prayer out of desperation. Uh, it wasn't discipline at first. It was just desperation. I just I need something, God. Right. These people are not going to—I'm not going to make it here. And I began to pray. That turned into something where every day when everyone else would go to lunch, I'd go to a little back room behind the choir loft and I'd get along with God and pray. And I was learning stuff. And then one time it would be more incredible than the other. One time I could just feel his presence. The next time I didn't feel anything, but I, and you know how prayer is. I was learning to pray. So when I, when I left there to go pastor the little church of 17 people, uh, the first thing I did was establish prayer meetings. And uh, I led prayer. I was in prayer. I established my morning time of prayer with God at, right off the bat. I was still in my 20s. I was a very young man, but I learned to pray. We began to see miracles. We began to see God just do things. The church began to grow. Money began to come in. We were able to fix the building up for a parking lot. Things were happening. And people would ask me, after all these years of this church not doing it, what is it you're doing? I said, I don't know. I have no idea. But looking back, I do know. We established prayer as our priority as a church. And the more we prayed, the more we saw the activity of God and the work of God and the changing in lives of people. And then one day I look up and we'd bought a little shopping center there because we outgrew the building, a little small strip center that it went bankrupt and we were able to pick it up cheap. And we'd fixed it up. We'd moved into that. 
And I had a Sunday, we had 180 people. And it was like, can you believe in three years, this church has grown in this little community. And, and I knew it was all about prayer. So when I went to the next church, I immediately said, we're going to establish a prayer cycle and a prayer process. And we made prayer the priority and um, in my own life. But probably the thing that, that you would like me to touch on and I want to touch on is the encounter I had uh, later on when um, uh, the church was probably running four or 500 at the new, my second church, uh, I had a staff and our, our national leader had called for a national prayer meeting. And I said, boy, that sounds like our stuff. We're going to that. And so loaded them up in yeah. the church van and made my way to Springfield, Missouri and showed up for a six o'clock prayer meeting with my team. And uh, when we uh, scattered out around the auditorium, found our private places to begin prayer that morning, as I knelt down to pray, I said, Lord, I want to come into your throne room this morning. Now, I didn't mean that any different than I'd meant it in the past. But as I knelt down, he began to show me the throne room and he gave me a revelation. And with every picture he would show me, he would give me a scripture to show that it was I was the first one to see it and piece by piece. So the first thing I saw was where I entered, um, I was kind of in an upper, or I call it a mezzanine level, a balcony level. Looking over the edge of that balcony, I could see what John described as the 24 elders that encircled the throne. That's his term. So there was a throne of God, and then to the right side of God was the first throne, formed a big circle back around to his left hand, which was the 24th throne. When I saw that huge circle, and I, I looked in the center, and I saw what in Revelation, again, John called the Sea of Glass. When I saw the Sea of Glass, here's, here's what changed that I'd not picked up, I'd never thought about before until that day. When I looked into the Sea of Glass, the entire earth was visible. Every nation, every city, everything, it was all there before God. And then the Holy Spirit whispered, remember what I said, that the heaven is his throne, but the earth is his footstool. And the feet of God resting on that glass and the entire earth was there before him. There was nothing his all-seeing eye could not see. There was nothing hidden from our God. He knew it all. He could see it all. I was like, I, would, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond to that. I'm just kind of trying to take it in and understand what's he showing me here. When I noticed that Jesus was walking on the sea of glass, he was walking. John said he saw him walking among the candlesticks, which are the churches. That's what he says, the candlesticks, which are the churches. And I realized Jesus is walking among the churches. He's walking on the sea of glass. So he's fully in heaven as our intercessor, yet he's fully with us on the earth, walking among us, because the way it functions, heaven and earth are one unit. And that I, I was picking all that up and trying to trying to comprehend it as much as I could. And then I noticed that Jesus would stop in certain areas and begin to intercede and look at the throne of the Father and begin to intercede and pray. And his intercession, which, you know, the Bible teaches us he leads to ever intercede. But I'd never really understood that intercession like I did that day. As Jesus declared before the Father so much, and I also picked up another scripture. I couldn't keep up with him. I couldn't understand all he was saying because there was like like a, like praying a million prayers at one time. There were multiple voices, multiple prayers coming through Jesus and his declaration. It's a, it's a God-level thing. We can't do that in humanity, but God can do all things. And as that was happening, I remember the scripture where John said his voice sounded like many waters. 
I thought the many waters was the volume. No, no, it's the many. Put the focus on the many as it flows out in this incredible prayer to the Father. And I'm watching him and I'm just I'm just amazed. And then then from above me, angels begin to ascend past me, go into the glass, pass through the glass onto the earth. And I just knew just because he let me know that they were going to their assignments. That as Jesus was praying to the Father, there was a there was an engine of heaven that was operating and a life of heaven was functioning. And these angels were being sent to their assignments. Sometimes it'd be one or two. Sometimes it was a thousand at a time. So when I looked up, I saw again what John described as a stadium of angels. So the circle continued. There was the circle around the sea of glass. Well, it just continued and it went up into a stadium filled with angels. John said 10,000 times 10,000. Is that the real number or is he just trying to say more than I could count? Different theologians think differently. I have no idea. All I know (laughs) is there was a whole bunch of angels (laughs) and they were were going to their assignments and fulfilling their purposes. It was pretty dynamic and pretty incredible. And it was somehow tied to the prayer life of Jesus. I knew it was all connected. I knew it mattered. Then, while still standing there, uh, I began to become aware of where I was standing. And uh, the Holy Spirit said that this is the cloud wow. of witness, witnesses spoken of in Hebrews. And so I looked around. And I thought I'd see Elijah and those guys. It's not who I saw. I saw people that were more modern, people that were, were closer to my time frame. Not that they weren't there, but that's, God was not showing me everything. He was showing me what he wanted me to see. Right, right. And, and what I saw, uh, first of all, I saw a grandmother and grandfather standing to my right that had been somewhere in heaven. They had already passed away. They had already passed into the fullness of heaven, but they had been summoned to the throne room to stand in the cloud of witnesses. As they looked over the edge into the earth through the glass, that part of the earth became, or that part of the glass magnified so that we could see all the way into an altar service in a church. And there was a young man who was crying his way to salvation, giving his heart to God. And then it, then they declared that was their grandson. And they were watching their grandson give his heart to God. And the Holy Spirit said, they prayed for this and prayed for this. And they died and came to heaven with the prayer unanswered. But your prayers live longer than you do. And even after you're in heaven, your prayers continue to work. And they get to come and see the answer to their prayers. And not only were they celebrating, but the people around them were celebrating with them and thanking God for answered prayer. And they were thanking God for the salvation of their grandson. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, I saw um, people were that were dying were coming up through the sea of glass and Jesus would always, he was hug them and welcome them. So I, so I know this when the first to get there, it's Jesus is going to welcome us. I thought that was pretty cool. And then he, he would point up into the place where I was. And there were people that knew them on earth, friends, family, uh, parents, that it were also Christian that were there, that were there to welcome them as well. And then they would just, they didn't have to take a steps or anything they just immediately they were right there with me they moved up into that place and there were hugs and (laughs) and celebrations of of the lives and it dawned on me how connected we are to heaven and that it's it's not such a different thing and then i remembered the scripture of stephen when he was being stoned in the book of acts and he looked up and he said i see jesus 
standing at the Father's right hand. And I realized God had just turned that one-way glass yes. into a two-way so he could see Jesus as he was approaching to, to be embraced by Jesus and take his place. Those are the kind of things that just really got a hold. Then it was over. And when it was over, I, I guess I give more detail in the book, but but that's enough for now. When it was over, the Holy Spirit asked me, what did you learn? I said, I have no idea. There was so much, I don't even know what I just learned. <laughs> I said, here's what I think I learned. I think I learned that when Jesus intensified his prayer, heaven became more active. He said, that's right. He said, why did he intensify his prayer? I said, I don't know. He said, well, if you watched him, he would stand in one place and then he would be, his prayer would become intense. And then he would step in another place and, and some places were more intense than others. He said, because he is stepping into the prayers of the people. And when the people are praying at a higher level, then Jesus can pray with more intensity and your prayers move heaven. That's what he said to me. Your prayers move Jesus. Jesus's prayers moves the father and the father releases the power and heaven changes. When heaven changes, then the earth can change. If you spend all your time trying to change the earth from an earth perspective, you'll never get it done. But if you use your authority in heaven and enter the throne of God and pray to the father in Jesus name, then the power of Jesus will work in a way to change heaven. Heaven will change earth. The most effective thing you can do to make a difference is pray. Wow. I just kind of, yeah, I just sit there for a minute going, I don't even know what to do from here. Anyway, and then uh, in a nutshell, that's kind of all of it. Uh, There's a lot of detail I'll put in the book, but that's it. You see it. That's what happened. So it changed my prayer life. That's another leap. I leaped into a new level of prayer at that point and a new awareness of the power of prayer. And it's changed changed my ministry (laughs) and life ever since. Wow. Thank you for joining today's episode. I hope you were inspired by what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next leap. Before you leave, take a moment and think of your community. Who do you know that could benefit from the wisdom shared in this podcast? Now take it one step further and encourage them through text, DM, or a simple conversation by sharing this episode. Let's make sure others know they're not alone as they obey God and choose to live a leaping lifestyle. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with your willingness than he could ever do with your worthiness.